this is one of those impromptu podcast episodes. Um, I don't. If any of you know me, yeah, I know I hate doing podcast episodes by myself because I feel like I'm talking to myself. But I have to. This one I have a lot on my mind, and um, it's towards almost the end of March, so we could get this on the March budget. Feel me? Roll into April with a fresh budget. Uh, fuck it. Let's get it out right there. So, y'all know me. I'm the Giants fan of the year. This is strictly about the giant elephant in the room, the Odell Beckham fiasco. Um, For those of you who don't watch sports, let me just recap it. Um, You guys all know who Odell Beckham is. The dynamic, electric, wide receiver for the New York Giants. One of the, we easily could say top three, if not the best wide receiver in the National Football League. Um, There's been talks in the past couple of for the past year, for the past year, actually, uh, really just talking about him getting, you know, a contract extension. Getting obviously, he's gonna get it. It was just in terms of um the the amount of money, you know. Um, as of now, this is a fifth year option on his deal of his of his uh rookie rookie deal. So he's only getting paid like about like eight point seven five million dollars, which is a lot of money to me, you, your mama, and everybody else listening to this podcast, but. In the grand scheme of things, eight point seven five million is equivalent to like forty thousand dollars a year in the NFL when you're playing at a level of his. So, just to kind of pitch you into his mindset, think of yourself as someone who probably has like twenty five years of experience. Like, let's just make up a job. Let's say you have twenty five years of experience managing like hedge funds or some shit, and then uh, you know, you get fired from your job or whatever you maybe maybe your company maybe maybe you decide to like maybe your company gets bought up bought, bought up by somebody else and now they're like all right we're changing everything around here these are the new salaries and instead of like you know keeping you where you at or keep giving you what the the standard should be they say no nah, we're gonna give you forty five thousand dollars that's how Odell kind of feels he feels like he's a, a he's a 25 year plus experience employee getting paid at that entry level salary so that's that's really where it is but whatever we'll get to that well we're, we're past that actually so the, the the real the real problem is we have this little dilemma that came up so i believe it was last week i don't remember the exact date um and it's last week depending on when you listen to this podcast obviously um we had uh statements from the team owner the new york giants john mara um, anybody who follows the Giants closely over the years, you know John Mara is very, very he's a very he likes to stay out of the media most times. He's very um he carries himself with a lot of pride. He's very he wants, he likes to run a very clean organization. Likes to have a drama free organization. But more importantly, he cares about winning and having a winning tradition here in New York. Um, so basically I guess it was the owners meeting out in Orlando, so you had a lot of the coaches, uh, obviously the owners and GMs out in uh, Orlando, and this is where the NFL uh, elites, like such as like, yeah, the coaches, GMs, owners, they all meet up and they vote on uh, upcoming rules for the upcoming season. So I guess while there, reporters had got a hold of him, and they kind of asked, "Oh, what do you think about the Odell situation?" And 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 for you for those of you who don't know, this Odell situation in particular, um, and I actually just saw the video maybe like a day or two ago. I've heard about it. Um, it was a video of him in like a hotel room, 
with someone who appears to be a model. I don't know. I didn't think she was that really good looking. Um, in the video, it's really only like 12 seconds long too, which is crazy. And I guess she was recording this on like her Snapchat or Instagram story, whatever. Um, there's a video of like a box of pizza. And then I guess like while she's like moving the phone, I guess like there's lines of like cocaine or some shit. I don't really know. I've never done coke, so I don't really know. So apparently, you know, they get this bad look like, oh my God, I can't believe Odell's in the room with that. And don't get me wrong. It's a bad situation. And this is part of that, like, uh, you need to learn how to deal with the fame and the the status of being an elite much better. But you can't. It's one of those, like, let's say, for example, I get caught in a picture with 10 kids smoking weed. Just because 10 kids smoke weed doesn't mean I was doing anything wrong. And I highly doubt Odell was snorting coke in that, in that, in that situation. He probably was with some model girl who just happened to want to sniff coke. And he was probably just like, um, okay, whatever. What he goes wrong is you, you you can't have anybody when you're in you gotta look at yourself like you're not a normal person. You're not a normal person anymore. You have to look at yourself and realize that no cameras, no video recordings, no pictures, none of that unless it's approved by your agent or it's approved by your media person with the team. That's just how it is. Because if somebody gets the wrong angle of you, or get the wrong image of you in the background in the wrong place at the wrong time, then all of a sudden there's going to be a preconceived notion about what really happened. And it, it almost makes it harder for for you to get out your story. So basically, sorry to go on that long tangent, but basically they asked, Odell, they asked out John Mara about that question. And I guess instead of like really answering it how he should have, John Mara kind of goes on to say, I'm tired of talking about Odell. Um, he has to, basically saying he has to grow up. And then he kind of, I guess, the the follow-up question by the reporter was, will this affect how his contract extension will go going in the future? So if you had act, if you had uh, kept track of this guy maybe a year ago, a year ago John Mara was saying he hopes to have Odell as a giant for life. And, I mean, who the, who the hell wouldn't want to have this guy as a giant for life? Like, this guy, like, legitimately – Odell, based off what he's done in like only four seasons, in three seasons, because I don't think we could count last season. In only three seasons, he's historic. Like literally, if he has like maybe only one more good season, Hall of Fame, if <laughs> his name in the Ring of Honor, like he's just been that great of a player, and it's it's, it's he's spectacular to watch. Um, even if you're not a huge football fan, it's just he's a he's a he's a great entertainer all around. So basically, um. You know, Mara basically goes on to say, you know, we were three and thirteen last year. Like nobody's untouchable, quote unquote. But basically saying nobody's untouchable. But everybody knows Eli's untouchable because he has no trade clause, so he's not getting traded. Uh, and then obviously the 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 tackle we just signed, Nate Solder, he's untouchable because he just got signed for sixty million dollars, making him the highest paid <laughs> left tackle in the NFL. Don't know why. <laughs> okay, so then those two are untouchable. Basically, saying everybody else is untouchable. Everybody else is everybody else can be moved for the right price. Basically, and then from there, it all trickles down into this major, major, major trade rumors. Like, oh, the Giants are shipping Odell. Now you have Adam Schefter from ESPN coming out with sources talking about, um. Oh, 
the the Giants are willing to trade Odell for the right price. One minute, then one day, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, yeah, the Rams have interest in Odell. Then the next day, the Giants are saying they're not interested in trading Odell, but if they were, they would take, it would have to start at at least two first-round picks. So let me tell you my take on that whole shit. First and foremost, the Giants do not have to. I, and I, I'm, I, I'm a huge Odell fan, but I'm going I'm to keep this from the logic of common sense. Um, the Giants do not have to do anything. He's still under contract. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, literally, you don't need to worry. He's still under contract for one more year. You could worry about getting the specifics of it later. Right now, as a current... Um, as a current New York Giants salary cap structure stands, there's really not enough money to give him that lucrative deal that he wants right now. Now, if he thinks he's going to be the highest paid player over overall, he has to really think about that. Because, um, first of all, the NFL, compared to other sports, you got to realize the NFL is a cap salary cap-driven league, literally. A salary cap, <laughs> like, th- th- controls everything. That's the reason why you could go from a middle-of-the-pack team one year and then be garbage next year. The, the whole NFL is predicated on um, basically trying to pay have as many good players for as cheap as you can as possible. Eventually, once these guys get better or once their contract's up, somebody has to pay them, and usually that's when people leave teams. Like, we see it, we've seen it time and time again. A guy will be drafted maybe in the third, fourth round, and it's time to get paid. You know, look at Kirk Cousins. I think it was like a third-round pick, you know, played out his rookie deal, then they're like, okay, um, we don't really have the money to pay you. We're going to franchise tag you one year. We're going to franchise tag you again. Eventually, it gets to the point where you can't afford to play this guy anymore. So it's like, it's, is it even worth it? So you got to understand, it's a, it's a salary cap-driven league. And like I said, the more cap you have, the more decisions you can make, the more you can shake up your team through free agency. Without much salary cap, you're forced to get lucky through drafting players or hoping that you could find low price players who have like high impact. So, you know, I understand people that say Odell's not worth it, but you have to look at the freaking, the numbers. Like, have you, we went three and 13 last season. Okay. But <laughs> I, I guarantee you this, if we had Odell, we won a lot more of those games than we, we actually in fact lose. And part of the problem is the team was a bad, it's a bad team as it is. First of all, we have way more holes. And obviously, getting rid of him or not signing him after this year would probably give us a lot more money to spend at other places. But you have to just look at how bad we were without it. Literally, like I saw this nice little statistics from um, one, of, one of the guys at ESPN. Uh, I think it was Bill Barnwell. I believe Eli's completion percentage with Odell Beckham the past, and not even just just like this past year, but just in games with Odell Beckham since he's had the guy, it's like 63%, and then without Beckham, it drops off a whole 3% to 60%. And if you look at the touchdown to interception ratio, oh my God. I swear it's like about like 33 touchdowns to about maybe 12 interceptions, whereas games without Odell Beckham, it's like 12 touchdowns 12 interceptions and it just shows you like how Odell literally even though he's just a wide receiver is a lot of these old NFL managerial people like to say he kind of affects every facet of the game I mean like I said the offense he makes the offensive lineman look good because usually Eli's able to get rid of the ball quick he could get in and out of his routes real quickly you could hit him on a slant for a touchdown and he could get rid of the ball in like two seconds 
it makes you know it, it allows you to hide the weakness of the O line. It makes Eli looks good because Eli could literally throw a four yard pass and Odell could rack it for eighty five yards. For those of you who don't know, run out to catch is what I meant, what I'm referring to. Um, you know, even even uh, a perfect example. He, I feel like he even like like he even he even motivates the defense to an extent. Um, the perfect example. This year's Super Bowl champions, the Eagles. I remember we played them week three uh, at Philadelphia at, at, at Lincoln Financial, and I remember, if I remember correctly, we were getting blown out. I believe we went to have fourteen zero. We just couldn't get the offense going. You know, Odell comes out. We couldn't get the offense going. The defense couldn't stop Wentz for some reason. But basically, we we get Odell. Odell gets in the end zone. He does a stupid pissing like a dog antics in the end zone. And yeah, like he got a stupid penalty for that. He was like, "God, I saw him mature." If you look at the bench, yo, the defense is like, "Yo, fuck this. We got a chance with this guy. We back in there." Basically, the defense. I I, I remember the next couple possessions on the next couple um drives on defense. They stop. They stop the Eagles. It's to a point where we get the game tied up and we come back down off of two Odell touchdowns. And it's just crazy how as soon as he's out, it's almost like. The whole team morale. They don't. We don't believe in ourselves. Everybody's like, all right, we don't have a chance with that. But as long as that man's on the field, the team always feels like we have a good shot to win. That's something else. And and what what kills me is a lot of people say he's a distraction in the locker room. He's a cancer to the team. How are you a cancer? I've never seen one teammate that says they don't want to play him. His teammates love to play with him. He's he has no negative impact in the locker room. Everybody wants to play with him. They they feel like being with him gives him being on the team gives them their best shot to win. And you got to look at how the man is viewed upon even people outside the team. Look at the colleagues around the team. Have you ever been to a Giants game before? And this is whether you're a fan of any team. If you've been whether it's on the road or at MetLife, if you get to the game, you know, an hour before kickoff, there's people in the stands watching him, you know, <laughs> make these crazy spectacular catches. But you know who else you notice? There's people from the other team on the sidelines just looking at this guy in awe like, oh, shit. All right, how are we going to stop this guy? What do we got to do? We got to make sure we stop this motherfucker right here with the blonde hair because literally it could be one catch and he could find a way to ruin this fucking game. Literally. And then I found a nice other statistic, and I don't know. I can't really. I'm not going to go into the numbers. It's one of those advanced analytics. But basically... The point of that number was just it, it basically tells you how many games he had a direct impact on whether we win or w- whether we won the game. And basically the factors they used to determine that was when did he score to tie a game, tie a game late in the second half or when did he score to pit the team up late in the in, in the second half or when did he win to pit the team up by two scores. You know what I mean? All like game changing moments where you're like, all right, if he doesn't do this, we lose the game. And literally, there was about maybe about since he's been in the league about twenty two occurrences of that, and and uh, and when I thought about it, I was like, damn, only twenty two. Then I was like, wait, we only won about so many games. We probably won about eleven. We had like an eleven win season last year, and the seasons before that were like six win seasons. So you're telling me that pretty much in the past three years, our only wins have been due to this man. Basically, either having a game-changing play or some type of crazy-ass, like, moment. I'll give you a perfect example. That game last year at MetLife Stadium where we're playing the Dallas Cowboys, it's cold as shit. I remember it snowed, like, the day before. And basically, 
it's one of those it's one of those games where you know like it's gonna be a low scoring game. I think the score is like three to seven. Odell literally catches a slant, takes it to the crib. And when I say that man, literally like I think he's the only man. Him or maybe Antonio Brown are the only two people who are making that play. Cause the corner, the, the DB on him literally was running his ass down. I think it was like Brandon Carr, and that man was fucking on his ass. And Odell literally cribbed it, won us that game. Nobody ever thinks about that. I'll give you another instance. Um, we had a game where we had the game with I believe it was Detroit. We had the Lions at at home, not this year, but in the twenty in the twenty sixteen twenty seventeen season. You know, Odell catches he, he he catches that great bomb, that great touchdown where he barely catches he catches it one hand, extends it over the pylon for the touchdown. That's a game changing play right there, which if he doesn't make that, we probably don't win. Th- those are all games where like we needed that to make it into the playoffs. I'm trying to think of other I know I, I remember that same season we played the Eagles. We beat the Eagles. Odell had like literally two crazy plays. The Ravens, you know, he brought us back from helped us force overtime and then I think we ended up winning O T because of Odell just catching deep balls. Like, he does it all, whether it's a slant, whether it's just a vertical shot down the field. Odell, Odell, Odell is literally the only consistent thing on that offense. Now, a lot of people and a lot of older people give me this argument, and I've I've heard them phone in on other uh, local radio New York shows, too. A lot of older people basically feel like, oh, if you look at years past, you don't need a dynamic receiver to win a championship. And I agree with them. You don't need a wide receiver to win a championship. What I can also tell you is you don't need a quarterback to win a championship. You you don't need a franchise quarterback to win a championship, as we clearly saw this year with Nick Foles. I think whatever the strength of your team is, you need to find out what that is and do it very well. And it has to be something you could do no matter who you play, no matter where you play. It has to be your bread and butter. If your th- if your team is built on predicated on the defense, your defense needs to show up every day for sixteen games in the regular season and however many games it takes you until you get to the Super Bowl and win it there. If your team is predicated on the run, you need to be able to run the ball against every team and be able to you know have a plan if that shit gets shut down. But in our case with the Giants, it's literally we have no plan. Our offense, we we, we keep saying, oh Eli Manning could do this with. Uh, great offensive line we've learned in the past couple years that Eli could barely he he could be he could be pretty competent with Odell Beckham but there's no telling what he's going to be like without Beckham yeah you have Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram but you had their asses this year as well we could say the offensive line is going to get better or be better but in reality we only did anything but sign one left tackle for $60 million, who's the highest paid at his position, but he's not even top five in the position. So when it's about talking about paying for what you need, you need to look at it. Like, you got to look at the market. If we're going to overpay, we're going to overpay for something, fine. We we had a need for that left tackle. But my thing is don't, don't say that we don't need Odell now. We're only paying him 8 mil this year, fine. My, 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 my big thing is you don't have to pay the man right now. What he needs is some type of confidence that the Giants are still invested in him. What I would do, personally speaking, is give him your seal of approval. Let him know, and y'all need to both come to both parties need to come to even, even middle where they could both uh, be happy. Let him know we we'll make you the highest paid wide receiver. We we don't have the we are unable, and most teams are unable to make you the highest paid player on the team. 
because at some point it, it it just ruins how you're gonna build that team for the future. Now, if you want to pay Odell, I don't know what the salary. I don't know what's a stupid figure. You want to make him the highest paid wide receiver. By all means, I think that's the only fair way to do it. That's how. That's what it's been trending. He'll be the highest paid wide receiver this year, and then when it's time for Julio or somebody else to get another deal, they'll be the highest paid. But you had to look at other wide receivers in in the league this past offseason who got extensions, who he's, I would say, a couple levels above. Mike Evans just got a nice deal where, you know, he's getting paid pretty handsomely. Sammy Watkins just got a very nice deal where he's being paid pretty handsomely. And with Sammy Watkins, he has nowhere near the production of Odell Beckham, and he hasn't been healthy half the years. So you got to understand where he's coming from. And you got to understand that if you don't give him this money, somebody will. I don't know if anybody will make him the highest paid player, period. But there will be somebody that will make him the highest paid wide receiver. So if I'm the New York Giants, there's two reasons you you keep him. I feel like you keep him because he gives your team a chance to win every game no matter what. Like he's literally an unstoppable force on offense. And you see how that works in in, uh, Pittsburgh with A.B. When Antonio Brown needs to make big catches in big critical games. No matter what defense they're playing, he's able to get it done. And I feel like Odell's similar to that caliber. I would say Odell's probably even more athletic than him, which is scary. So you got to understand that. The second thing is you got to look at from a franchise. He's at right now, nobody could say anything. He is the face of the New York football giants right now. As much as I love Eli, Eli is not selling tickets the way like this the way the way that Odell is he's not a polarizing figure and that's because Eli by nature he's a quiet guy but Odell Beckham is an entertainer there's people that don't even feel fully invested in football but they know who he is and they want to see him they want to see his highlights they want to see his antics on the field they want to see what he's going to do when he's in the end zone he is literally one of the if not the most profitable player in the National Football League so what I want to what people what I want people to know is if you trade this man for a, let's say you do get the two first round picks from whoever the Browns let's say they give you the fourth overall pick this year and then their first round pick this year next year you have no idea what that will translate into people could say oh first round pick is usually you know it's usually almost a guaranteed star or guaranteed starter. We could look at the New York Giants the past couple of years for first round picks and say, did they really pan out? You know, we, we spent like, I, I believe Eric Flowers was like the sixth overall pick. We took him over Todd Gurley. Just because you have the draft capital don't mean you're going to always capitalize on the pick. So you got to understand that when you're talking about, oh, we're going to have a, a bunch of plethora of picks. You can have seven draft picks and if they don't pan out. You wasted your picks. You don't have nothing. It, you know what I mean? Any a draft pick is just potential. At least with Odell, the one thing we can say, and we don't know how he's gonna bounce back from this injury, but you can say when healthy, he's literally one of the best. You could say he's one of maybe the ten best players in the league, and have knowing that that's that's something you'd have to be a really brave man to feel confident that two first round picks would be enough for you to part your ways with him. Because like I said. <laughs> the fans will be kicking and like I said there's a lot of fans that would be cool with this but like I said you trade him and we go and have a sorry ass season for the next couple of years those same fans will be at your be right at your neck complaining why you traded him what do we get for him 
and that that's that that's that's for David Gettleman, the new GM, to really think about and really dwell on going into the future. My personal uh, opinion is, you you he he first of all he has to play out this year regardless. Uh, second of all, the Giants have all behold all the cards. That that's what the management needs to understand is, guess what, he. He has to play this year. If he doesn't play, if he doesn't play enough games this season, guess what? He he cannot become a free agent, and then he's gonna be right in this problem in the same predicament next year where he's still under contract. So you have to play for us, regardless whether or not you you want to. It's in his best interest if he's really about getting this money that he really wants. So you let it. If I'm him, hash things out. Let him know that a deal will be worked out. Get closer and kind of meet reach further ground. So make him the highest paid receiver. If he's adamant. If he's adamant on being, you know, <laughs> the highest played player, period, play hard both. And if anybody's dumb enough to give you two first round or three first round picks, then you make that decision. But right now, you there's no reason to rush before making that decision. There's no reason at all. Like I said, if you, if you could get him on the field and play out this year, guess what? Next year, you could franchise tag him <laughs> and, and stretch it out another year. There's no reason to feel like you're forced to make a decision. At this point, this is when the ownership has to understand, though, that you do hold all the chips. So that's all that that's all you could really do. You know, I, I'm I'm quite sure the situation is gonna work itself out. But like I said, I'm just I'm just a little kind of appalled that there's people that think trading him right away is just gonna make us a way better team and it's just gonna solve problems. I I just don't understand that. I don't know who what 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 games these guys are watching, but pretty much, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Eli struggle. I've never seen Eli like you know, like really shine without some like legit talent around him. So we'll 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 go and see. But like I said, easy give him to give the man his fucking money. Just give him his fucking money. The man's literally one of the greatest players <laughs> in the NFL. And if you can keep him homegrown, if you want to keep keep him homegrown, keep him. And and the people that say, oh, he's he's too much of a he's too much of a troublemaker. The kid really doesn't get into trouble. It's always like stupid allegations. There's little small things, and obviously you'll have to iron it out. But the kid's never been in any fights. He doesn't hit females, which is crazy that we're talking about this guy. We're we're more appalled about him, you know, pissing in the end zone or acting like he's pissing in the end zone and being next to people snorting coke. But we have people in the NFL <laughs> who were snuffing their wives. Like, we literally had a – and this is what kills me about John John Mara. If he feels that Odell is too much of a problem, uh, maybe two years ago we had a punter that was beating his freaking wife. Not a punter, a kicker who was beating his wife. And you, you, you defended that motherfucker. You literally kept him on the team. And it wasn't until the media really got on your ass that you decided to cut his ass. Now, whether it has to do with race because the punter was white and Odell's black, I don't want to say all of that, but let's be real, who's more important to your team and who gives you the best chance to win. So that's all I want to – that's all I'm saying. If we're going to put things into perspective, let's be let's be totally uh, fair. Um, I understand there's a new regime coming in. I know David, Dave Gettleman did not uh, did not draft any of these players. He didn't sign any of these players on his current team, and that's fine. But if he's gonna be a man of his word and said that he's gonna say that he's gonna give everybody a fair, a fair shot and a clean slate, I understand these things are coming up with Odell. But like I said, on the field and 
during the season. He hasn't given you any reason to think otherwise. So, like I said, he's not going to play. He's, first of all, he's not going to play a freaking preseason. We had this dilemma last year. Oh, he's going to miss most of the preseason. He's going to miss this. And then he played preseason, and his ass got hurt. And one thing trickled to another. Then he got hurt for most of the season. Then the season goes shit. Then we're 3-13, and and we got the fucking number two overall pick. So, obviously, his ass isn't going to fucking play preseason. Um, he'll probably come to mandatory workouts at whichever ones he has to. But like I said, he I don't blame the man. There's no reason to put yourself in harm's way in a contract year for you when you when you for for example when you did it the year before your ass ended up getting a career not a career but a season and an injury. So it would be a smart business and and team decision for both parties if he doesn't play until the regular season. So let's just get that shit straight right there. So for all the old people heckling saying that this isn't fair, people do it all the time. Le'Veon Bell did it last year and it worked out just fine for him. So let's stop with the stupid drama. Like I said, a lot of the part, a lot of the lot of the problems. I think a lot of the hate come. Oh, that was nasty. A lot of the hate that's geared towards him primarily seems to be based on the fact that he's so theatrical with the way he handles himself. But you got to understand, this man is creating a brand, and that's why he has as much influence as he does. So if you if you don't want to respect it, that's fine. But like I said, these old Giants fans, I was like, oh, I, we can't have this. This isn't the Giants fan tradition. I've heard I've heard from a lot of older people that told me LT was a fucking problem. The only difference between LT and Odell in terms of talent is that LT won a champion, won championships. Odell has not won a championship. But if we won a championship the past two years before this. The, the narrative would be completely different, and Odell would be untouchable. So let's cut this shit out. Like I said, what what it really is going to come down to is the Giants need to find out, is this a rebuild or are we in win now right now? If y'all truly believe that this is win now while wow, we still got a few more years with Eli, let's go re-up on everybody. Let's add some pieces. Let's give this another shot. But there's no in-between. You can't be half in the pool, half out. <laughs> it just doesn't work. You're going to end up middle of the pack if you do that shit with a middle of the pack draft pick and you have a middle of the pack rebuild. So you either got to fully commit to it or fully, fully, fully rebuild. That's it. That's all I'm going to say. But like I said, uh, we'll see. We'll see with the upcoming draft. That'll answer a lot of questions as to where the team is going and what we're trying to accomplish in the future. I ranted for 30 something minutes just now. Absolutely crazy. Uh if any of you guys actually listen to all of that, I really appreciate y'all. Um shout outs to my 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 listeners. Uh and yo, like share the podcast to your friends, even if it's just this rant. If you know a stupid Giants fan like myself that would appreciate hearing this shit, share it to them. They could listen to it in the car while they stuck in traffic. Maybe it'll make them a little happier. Who knows? Uh, yo, sh- uh, continue showing love to the podcast. We got uh, new content coming out in April soon. Working on a couple things. And um, that's about it. I'm going to try and work on a few new features. Get my fans more involved. And yeah, that's it, yo. Thanks for listening. Enjoy y'all uh, day, week, what weekend, whatever you're listening to this podcast. Let's go Giants. Peace. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I forgot, of course, to do a little promo real quick. Uh, I don't know what you guys are doing 420. Hopefully you're not smoking weed. But if you want to come to a super lit birthday party, 
Pull out to my boy JP's 25th birthday. Friday, April 25th, starting at 10 p.m. It's an open bar. I believe it's like $60 or something at the door. But drink all you want. Over at 274 4th Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. I repeat, that is Friday, April 20th, 10 p.m. 274 4th Avenue, Brooklyn, New York. Be there or be square. Should be a good time. But alright, peace for real. Later.